This is week two of the Undeniable series. And leading into Christmas, I just wanted us to to see that we are all God's masterpiece. That he is working on us. That he is molding us. That he is conditioning us as his children to be the light of the world. Jesus was here and he was the light of the world for certain. The world has never been the same since he walked on this planet. He made a difference. But he came to set an example for us that we would follow as Christians, that we would be like him and that we would be a light to the dark world that is in need of something different. How many believe we're in a world today that needs something different? And that difference is Jesus. What they need is Him. Their troubles, their trials, the perplexing things that they're facing, He is the answer. And as Leslie said, He is the reason for the season. Let us not lose focus on understanding that Jesus is working on us so that we can help others. It's the theme of the bridge that you know, we want to become Christ-like by learning together and serving others. And if we truly get our relationship with Jesus down to a point where that we want to learn about Him, that we want to understand Him, that we want to know Him, as Paul said, in the power of His resurrection, I want to know the true Christ. Not my version, not my childhood version, but the version that He truly is. If we know him, Paul said, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. Because that resurrecting power caused dead things to come to life again. Amen. And we all need refreshings over and over and over again. That we can't just live in the mundane and expect something to be different without seeking Jesus to be that difference. So today in this place, I want us to know that we are God's masterpiece. Aunt Mary's the only one that believes me. I've always got her. <laughs> thankful for Aunt Mary. Ain't you grateful for Bo? Bo's grateful for Mary. So if you could, just for a moment, just um, tell your neighbor there that's close by you. Maybe not the one that you talked to a minute ago. Maybe it's one behind you. So turn around if you could and and speak to somebody there behind you and just explain to them how much of a masterpiece they really are. Go ahead, go ahead and explain. Turn around there. You, don't want to have a life you are a masterpiece. A real piece of work. Listen to this. Some of you look like a hot mess. Some of you look like you're going straight out of bed. But it's all good in the neighborhood, amen? We are God's masterpiece. And he sees the best in us. I don't know about you, but all too often we look for the worst in people. That we... What are you laughing about? 
Jesus is the reason for seizing. Quit thinking about me. Yeah. yeah. I don't care who knows it. Yeah. It's Christmas up in here, ain't it? We got all kinds of movies flowing in this sermon. This is good. It's undeniable. It's Christmas. Oh, Lordy. So, God's masterpiece that as we see the worst in so many situations in our life, and we see the worst, and bad things happen to good people. And there are seasons of our life that we're allowed to be in a transition point, that we're in a place where God has placed us with some surroundings, with some happenstances happening in our life that seems troublesome at the moment. It seems overwhelming at the moment. It seems like, I don't know if I'm going to get through this in that season. But as we're tried, we need to understand that He won't put anything on you that you cannot bear. Amen. That's Scripture. He will not overwhelm you with something that he has not already conditioned you to be an overcomer. Amen. Because Jesus is an overcomer. Amen. The Bible says that we are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So if it's Christmas and if this is a season where the world is conditioned at this point in time every year annually that we can go to them and explain to Jesus that they're willing and open to in that moment we need to take advantage of the moment. Amen. So last week we talked about the Apostle Paul and how that when he went to Corinth on his missionary journey that as he got to the place and he stumbled upon his people and it was a setup from God that he God brought him into this region and this place and this city named Corinth to meet this couple named Aquila and Priscilla. Wouldn't have been awesome if I could have met somebody named Benetta or something. You know, like your name's Match, Aquila and Priscilla. Wouldn't that stink? But that's who they were. And as it says in Ephesians that we led this series with, that Ephesians 2, For we are his workmanship, having been created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand so we may do them. Work doesn't get done unless you put your hand to the plow. The work of the ministry doesn't get done unless we all put our hand to the plow. The church has been through seasons that have brought about different mindset and ministry philosophy and how that ministry should be done. And I'm a believer in that the lay person, and I being one of them, I am a lay person because the great shepherd is Jesus. He is our great shepherd. Amen. The good shepherd. And I may be shepherding in this moment and pastoring a church, but I'm still just a lay person. That we need to talk to hurting people about Jesus. 
And I can't reach everyone, and neither can you. But we can all reach somebody. And he's positioned you at your job, at your workplace, in an organization maybe that you're a part of in the community. He's positioned you there, as he did Esther, for such a time as this, to make his son known to the world. So the Apostle Paul is writing this in Ephesians 2, 10, For we are his workmanship, having been created in Christ Jesus for good works. Has anybody ever been guilty of doing bad work? Not so uh, dedicated work. You know, that's the days when you go to work and you really don't want to be there. Well, you about to saint you. <laughs> Everybody in here just wakes up and says, Man, I can't wait to go in today. This is going to be so awesome. And we're going to do so much work. And we're going to get so much produced. And it's going to be awesome. I just can't wait to get the day started. You don't work. Does everybody, Mary does that, everybody, she basically in the morning. I get to go to work, she's got a big smile on her face, taking pictures and selfies in the workplace. And not, everybody there's probably like, go to bed. <laughs> but we truly do need to be thankful that God gives us skill set and the ability to work. Amen. And work isn't a sin. Amen. When Adam and Eve sinned, that's the point when work started. Before that, they didn't have to work. They just want to mess it all up. So if you want to blame anybody for work, put that on Adam and Eve's shoulders. By the toiling the ground, you shall eat. That's when it all started with work. But as Apostle Paul is saying this in Ephesians 2, for we are his workmanship. And we talked last week about how that Paul, when he went into Corinth, that he walked into the city, he began to preach in the synagogue, got with the Jewish leaders, and guess what? They didn't want to hear it. You're going to come into contact with some people when you go to talk about Jesus. They don't want to hear it. Guess what? That's okay. They might not want to hear it right now, but there will be a point in their life where they may want to hear it, so keep pursuing. So the Apostle Paul, if you look, Everywhere that he goes, every city that he comes into contact with, he will constantly, when he goes to that town, when he goes to that region, he will walk in the synagogue and he will begin to preach Jesus to the Jews. He's a Jew himself. I love people like me. They're pretty awesome. <coughs> Amen. Amen. If everybody's like me, the world would be a lot better place. Amen. <laughs> but I don't have any troubles or anything. Or anything, you know, the people. Not at all. I'm, I'm the picture of perfection. I'm his workmanship. I'm God's masterpiece. Bob does say that one shouldn't think too highly of himself either. So let me come back down here on that one and say, no, I'm just uh, jesting that. But as Apostle Paul was talking about this workmanship, and as he came into this region of Corinth, he, he preached. And he met these people, these other Jews that have been exiled from Rome. And they come there not because they wanted to, but because they were made to. And sometimes life puts you in a place that you don't want to be. And I'm sure Aquila and Priscilla, as they was journeying from Rome and exiled from the capital of the world of that day, was made to leave the city that they loved, the nation that they loved, 
and to go on a complete another journey in life. And God pointed them in a direction. And when they got to Corinth, I'm sure as they were sitting there making their tents and, and doing their work, is this probably thinking, why now? Why me? Why this? Now, I don't know about you, but I've never questioned anything in my life, and I've never asked God why. I'm just happy to be here. Yeah. <laughs> but if Willem herself, I'm sure that they was in the, what's the term? They didn't like where they was at, and they was mad about it. They was in a state of pansiness. I was more like despair, but... Anybody ever been somewhere you don't want to be? Including work? But here they are, still making tents, still making a living, still doing what they're going to do, because God gave them the ability to do it. And as they're doing this, in walks... I don't know if he's second, third to Jesus in all of history as one of the most influential people ever. But he's way up the chart. The Apostle Paul. And he stumbles upon them and God orchestrated it all to have Paul to meet Priscilla and Aquila. And he positions them there in a city where they would meet together and interject because they would not have met without this. So sometimes God places you where you don't want to be with a mindset that you don't want to have for such a time as this. Amen. It's undeniable that God works through men. That means men and women. Amen? Because Priscilla and Aquila. And I read something about them that kind of dumbfounded me that I never thought of. Everywhere you read in Scripture, and I mentioned multiple times throughout Paul's writings, Priscilla and Aquila, he always writes the word Priscilla first. She's mentioned first. And some people say that that may be that she had a higher standing in society or, or because of her genealogy or who she was or, 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 or maybe it's her influence that she had. But she's mentioned first. God uses women. I thank God for Sister Gartha that God led her here that planted this work that made a church for us to sit in today. Amen. 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 He used Betty to be right there at her armor bearer and pray for and lead and get behind and push forward. My sister sitting here, she played the piano when this church was started as a teenager in high school. They didn't have a youth group yet. I thank God for women. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Thank God for Mary. But as Paul is describing this and talking to us that we are his workmanship, that God positioned them there in that city of Corinth and he put them there and placed them there, that it become a we and not a me. We talked about last week, right? This is bigger than you or I. It's us. And God is working through us together here at this church. The bridge is doing the things we do because of us. It's not a one-man band. I can't do it all. Leslie can't do it all. Dusty can't do it all. Howie can't do it all. Ron Elizabeth can't do it all. Yeah. We're all in this together. Yeah. And all are equally important. Yeah. Yeah. There's no big eye, little you. It's all us. Yeah. Look at your neighbor and say, thank God for us.
It's wonderful seeing the bridge built yesterday and cars along there. They called Leslie about, I don't know, it's about 11 something and said, hey, can we build a bridge and put a float together? I thought, on float day? <laughs> During the first day? The FBLA and all that have been working for two weeks on the float. But it's undeniable that they wanted to do it. What we're going to do? Say, nah, I don't think so. Just put some cold water on that plane. No, if you want to build a float, get all over, boss. So Travis had told me last night once we got down there and, and looked at the float, they began to tell me I got this piece from here and I got this these pieces from here and they've been laying around for all this time and, and just such a time as this that I put it together and made, made it into this and I didn't have no idea when he took it from Louisville one piece of it. He showed me those arches that come from Louisville that the guy I ordered and they was wrong but he, he said, well, I may, maybe we'll be stuck with that at some point in life. They brought them home. And years later, they become the bridge float. But if you left them laying there in the brush pile, or where would you have it stationed at? Yeah, probably the brush pile, junk pile, something like that. But workmanship and collaboration and partnership makes a difference. If we are God's workmanship, we're all just pieces in his puzzle. So as Travis went out there and he looked and he said, well, I can use these to be the arch and I can use these posts that I have and this aluminum here, but guess what? I need some bolts. It's going to be hard to attach some aluminum to some steel. <coughs> need some rebar. So he drives to town, takes his kids with him, I guess, and gets downtown and they go to buy the boats and whenever they get there to buy the boats, his son says, well, here, let me get the paint. How beautiful is that? They haven't been there for several months, but he's buying the paint for our float because he believes he's part of the bridge. And they told us before that when they come here, that his son and, and, and his uh, daughter and all, when they came, they said, this is a church that doesn't judge me when I'm here. That's not normal. But I'm glad that we're not normal. I don't want to be too churchy. Why? Because we're not about church, we're about Jesus. And if we represent Him, we should love like He loved. We should reach like He reached. It's undeniable that Jesus is working through us collectively together. We're all part of His masterpiece. But all those pieces, that rebar, that stuff's useless. Anybody ever had any rebar around it? That's not the most useless thing ever. But, but you need it in concrete to hold it together. But there's big junk piles of rebar in everybody's garage or up in somewhere. It seemed like it's always in the way, and it's just whatever we do. He made it part of the bridge, so it was the trunnions that he cut across it. But he needed the boats. He needed the rebar. He needed the arch. Then Amy come in with the reefs. Then he called, and they needed the church banners. So I had to stop by here and get the church banners to break down. Thank God for zip ties. Come on, somebody. Is this time they seem like being important or they seem like don't really matter much? But when you need one, hallelujah for some zip ties. It's one we didn't get the duct tape out, but we didn't need it. We got the files out the duct tape. We had to take it back shelf. But all these pieces, and they bought lights, and the kids brought their blankets, 
Some brought candy. But that's workmanship. That all of it is important. No one individual piece of it would be afloat on its own. It was workmanship. It's all of us together. And it's all parts and pieces. And we're all important equally. It's undeniable that God is working on us. And I don't know about you, but I'm grateful. I'm thankful. That just like Priscilla and Aquila had no idea when they met Paul that he was going to change their mindset. He was going to change their outlook. He was going to change what the way they thought about things. I hope and pray that God uses these words that we're hearing in these sermons to change the way we think. If you if you are not changing your opinions, you're stuck in the mud. You're a funny daddy. Come on, somebody. If God's word isn't changing you, I'm going to ask you, you better question whether you really follow Jesus or not. Because Priscilla and Aquila had some mixed up mindsets, but Paul lined them out. He set them straight. And that's a good thing. We need to be changed. We need to be worked on. That's why Paul said we are his workmanship. And those Ephesians people had no idea. The people in Ephesus that Paul had met this couple that was working on tents in Corinth a little ways away. And they got on boats and they took off, all, all three of them. They got on a boat and a ship and they took off and they sailed and they ended up in Ephesus. Ephesus was really the, one of the major cities in the world at that time. It was Rome and pretty much Ephesus. So like in the world today, one of the most important cities in the world, according to most people's mindset, I'm sure there's some people around the world that might not think this way, but Washington, D.C. is an important place. You can make a decision in Washington, D.C. and it will change the world. But also, at the same time, there may be influence and power and decision-making in Washington, D.C. But at the same time, somebody up in New York City, the second most important city in my opinion, when it happens there that a decision made, it can affect Washington, D.C. That's what Ephesus was to Rome. So when we're reading about the Ephesians, that Paul is writing this letter back to the Ephesians, and he's trying to talk about an undeniable God. He's trying to present a gospel of Jesus that changes lives. God's trying to talk to a people of Ephesus. In Acts chapter 18, you need to read this. I, I really am asking you, I'm pleading with you, please go read Acts 18 and 19. We started with Acts 18 last week. And I've got, I, we can't read it all, verse. Multiple, multiple, multiple verses, and we can't read it all. But there are sections of both of those that are so important. Acts chapter 18, where Paul meets Priscilla and Quill. Then it takes off on a journey where they take off. And now we're in about the middle, middle of Acts 18, and he goes, and he gets on a ship, and he goes down to Ephesus with Priscilla and Quill. And when he gets to Ephesus, he talks to them a little, little bit there, and he tells Priscilla and Quill, you know, I've got to get on to Jerusalem. I've got to go down here for the feast. And he leaves them there. And when he leaves them there, they're in the second most important city, the second biggest city in the world at that time. They're left there as believers in Jesus, 
Children are still making tents. But guess what? When you are vulnerable and you're in a place where the God puts you in a position of influence, in a position where it's going to give you access to people that you normally wouldn't have access to, there's one thing you need to do. First, open your mouth. If you don't ever say the word Jesus, there's a lot of places that you go on a weekly basis that won't be said. And Abby told us, sorry, a few weeks ago, we got out of hell. There needs to be a place of access. And there needs to be a people that says Jesus. So we're going to work on that. I, I'm, I'm crafting right now. And I'm, I'm working on you. And I'm hopefully got you listening right now. So I'm going to get, give you some practice rounds here. And, I, and you got to be real careful now. Because you might offend somebody sitting around you. So I'm going to Let's take a practice right here. Everybody okay? You okay, Mike? Okay. 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 It's real easy to say that in here. Amen. Go to a place where a bunch of hellions are, and I was once one of them. Amen. But Jesus got to working on me, and he changed me. And I tell you a story about the time that I got on a job site, and I worked, they put me in a crew, and I was working with these two guys, and they was both, one of them was a preacher, and one of them was a church uh, attender. And they began to work on me. They said, what do you know about Jesus? I said, I grew up all my life in church. Oh, awesome. She said, well, mm -mm. well, why don't you go anymore? I said, I don't want to. <clears throat> How about that? <laughs> right? They said, we've heard about shutdown. I'm saving these week. I'm around these guys all the time. It's like, come on, let up, man. Let's just get the job done. They just keep telling about Jesus. Every time I start talking about something else, they just stare right back in. And guess what? Jesus. And they worked on me for weeks. This shutdown went on and on and on. It seemed like it never going to end. And I was like, man, I, I'm getting sick of hearing this. They, they began to tell me. And I said, well, my mom goes to church. And, and my grandpa and grandma, they're, they're saved. And they go to church. And, and they said, well, you can't get in on them. This is on you. This is a personal thing that Jesus wants to get up in your grill. Why? Because he wants you. He wants to work on you. And he wants to make you part of this big puzzle that he has. It's called the church. And these guys just kept working on work on me. And I was like, man, I can't wait to get out of here. I can't wait this job. I, you talk about wanting a layoff. Amen. Give me a good layoff. <laughs> That's one thing about construction work. We get a layoff, right? It gets, it's pretty awesome sometimes. A lot of people get worried about a layoff. I, I totally look forward to it. They give me a couple weeks of bread. So I couldn't wait for that to be over. And I couldn't wait for that job to be over. But these guys were planting seeds. And Paul said, I planted the seed. And Apollos watered. But God gave the increase. Other people had planted seeds in my life. These guys were watering the seed that had already been planted at Hilltop Tabernacle for years. 
They were pouring water on something that I already knew. And when that job ended and I got laid off, I decided I was going to go back and run the bar. I couldn't wait to get laid off so I could go have a good time. I worked hard so I could play hard. And driving through these streets in this city, I drove around and I was looking for all my buddies and wondering where they was all at and I couldn't find anybody. That's part of our good party when you drive around somebody to party with nobody's there. And I was driving by and I've told this story before and it, I, I was driving down through town and just cruising all over Bassford looking for somebody to hang out with, looking for somebody to party with, looking for somebody to have a good time with. I couldn't find anybody. That's what kind of town we live in. A town with nobody. Last night was awesome and beautiful to see so many people in their churches, businesses, people with different things that they put in floats and things in the prairie was an awesome thing to see in our city. But there was nobody in town that night. I drove around and drove around and drove around. The next thing you know, I drove by the carry-out. It's down there. You know where I'm talking about, up there. The carry-out. Not, not the beer barn. The carry-out. As I drove by, there was something on the side of the road, like one of those uh, cut-out things that they place there on advertising thing. As I drove by that, it was like a reaper. Anybody ever seen the Grand River? It came out of that. And it was as real as anything I've ever saw in my life. And it scared me to death. And I thank God that it put me on that job site. For those two men that had been wandering for weeks, that when I saw that and recognized that, it scared me. Because I had heard all the stories in church about Jesus is coming. He's coming. They were singing songs about He's coming soon. There's no doubt. I'm going to leave this world with a shout. He's coming. And when I saw that, it wasn't Jesus that was coming to get me. It was the reaper that was coming to get me. And if that don't scare you, you better be getting around some Christian folks that'll make you scared of that. Amen. And I drove straight to my house. There's a trailer up on the side of the hill on the double. I drove straight to my house. I wasn't looking for any more party. I couldn't wait to get my truck parked and walk in and sit down on my couch and be restful for a minute. This is I'm telling you the truth. And as I sat down and I sat there and I went to sleep that night, my soul was heavy. I was worried, what if Jesus comes tonight? And what if I don't wake up in the morning? I'm going to end up in a devil's hell because of the lifestyle that I'm choosing to live. The choices we make will have consequences. And I woke up the next morning and all my childhood, all my life, mom and dad took us to church. And it was a hilltop paragraph, and we went on evening. We, we didn't go to morning service. It was an evening service that we went to right now. And we go in the evening. So I didn't get up and go to Sunday school that morning. But I promised Jesus, if you let me get to church, 
I'll give my life to you tonight. The mom would always told me to go to Raceland Church, and I drove up to Raceland that evening, and I took off to go to that church. I didn't even know where it was at. She said it's up there by the, the school, and I drove up there, and I pulled in the parking lot, hoping I was at the right one. Walked in, sat down on the back row, Pastor Wells preached a message. Told me, you know, had everybody stand up. Altar call, come forward if you want to. I love what Leslie said last week when she had her altar call and said, if, I just feel like bringing everybody up. She called people out and, and all the women come up and all the guys sit in the bar. We're so manly. We're manly, yeah. Manly man. You want to be a manly man? Uh, love Jesus. Paul wasn't ashamed of you. Quill wasn't ashamed of you. But as I walked in that church, Pastor Wells led that altar call, and then I've told this story so many times, some of you heard it, some of you may not. I promised God when I went to church that night, I will give you my life. Today is the day. Those words that those gentlemen have been preaching to me, tonight is the night. I'm giving it to you. The Pastor Wells gave that altar call, and he said, anybody want to come forward? And I was scared because the church of 400 people I didn't know one person in the room. In, in that church, I never knew one person. And I don't know what I thought. If I, whenever you're in that position, in that place, you're thinking, if I walk up to the aisle, they're going to laugh at me. They're going to point fingers, and who's this hoodlum? Cowboy boots, leather jacket. That's why I think it's cool. <laughs> I still got my thoughts, and I ain't getting rid of it. I still try to keep it thrown away. I'm not throwing away. I like this leather jacket. I wear it sometimes just to prove it to you. But as I stood in the back and then he said, at the end, everybody bow your head, close your eyes. If anybody here and, and you need prayer and you feel God calling and knocking on your heart's door, but you're just not going to make that step today, raise your hand and I'll pray for you. And I was afraid enough to do that because everybody had their head. Well, raise my hand. After it's all over, this elderly lady, she turned around and I said, hey, young man. Good to be here. I went and got my truck and started driving down the road. And when I got to bring up my chest, it felt like it was about to bust because my heart was about to beat out of my chest. I've told this story so many times. I turned around and grinned. I done a U-turn in the middle of 23. And I drove back and I said, Jesus, let somebody be at that church. And when I come walking through the door, thank God that the youth group was still there. And they was trying to decide on which pizza to join if they wanted to eat pizza at. And when I walked in, Pastor Wells was still there, and he looked at me and said, What do you need, young man? I said, I need saved. He said, Well, come on up there to the altar. And he took those youth group up there, and he had them to bow around me and get down on my knees right there at that altar, and we prayed together. And those young people led me to Jesus. There's people that planted and watered. And sometimes it seemed pressured when I was on that job, and I didn't really like it. But at the end of the day, I knew better. Amen? Amen. There's people out there during this season, it's undeniable, they need to hear Jesus because they may not have heard it all year long. And you may think that everybody knows about him. I promise you they don't. In this world we're living in today, not everybody has heard a gospel presentation in a clear, decisive way. And if you want to talk about who saves them, Let's practice again. Say his name.
Tell your neighbor about it. Or look over that little hoop on there. Can't hang on the bike. He's the reason for the season. It's undeniable that God is working us. And He's working amongst us. And we need to be standing ready to say, here's my voice. Use it this season. We're working. If we're His workmanship, He's working on us. We're just one small part, one small piece. But guess what? We're all pieces. And God is asking you, will you give me your voice? this season. Even like Paul, he didn't want to go to the synagogues, but he did. He knew they were going to turn him down, but he still told them about Jesus anyway. And I'm not talking about beating them over the head with the Bible and telling them how much of a sinner they are. When I was a sinner, I knew it. Nobody had to tell me that. I knew how bad. He couldn't seek and save that which was lost. If you would, please bow your head and close your eyes. I want to read you some scriptures. I just want you to keep your eyes closed. <coughs> just, just listen to these words. It's Matthew chapter 9. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their city clubs, synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. reason we are his workmanship is because it's undeniable that Jesus needs us to be his ambassadors to this world. To this hurting, dying, afflicted world. Or said they were helpless. There's some people that you know that God has put in your path. You can know and understand that they're helpless without Him. They're hopeless without Him. And He's asking you open up your mouth and talk about me. If you don't know Him today, it's a good day to know Him. super religious and accepting Jesus is not real hard truly it's one of the simplest things that you'll ever do all you have to do is say Jesus I'll follow you be the Lord of my life save me from my sins make me a disciple and you'll pray something along those lines. And they don't have to be those exact words. It's just a commitment that you're making to Him that I need saved. 
tired of being broken, tired of being helpless. I need you, Jesus. Is that you? And you want to make that decision today and you're ready to give it your life. Maybe you never have, you've never accepted it, you've been around it, you've been taught, you've been brought to church. But today is the day. Jesus is knocking on your heart and he's saying, I want to work on you. I want to help you. Is that you? I just want you to lift up your hand if you're ready to give him your life today. Today is the day of salvation. If you're here in this place and you want to make him your savior, lift up your hand. Anybody here? Today is my day.
and that you would make them into the vessel that you've created them to be. Make them a masterpiece in this place today. Let them walk out transformed by your power. And God, they would be your vessels. And they would be your spokesmen. And they would speak of you and they would declare the name of Jesus in the place they reside. I pray for empowerment during this season. A boldness to come upon your people at the bridge. God, that we wouldn't be boastful about our own doings, but we would be boastful about the things that you're doing in us. That we would brag how much you're working in us. That we would make it publicly known. And we would declare that the world may know that you are king. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And the church says, Amen. Amen.